Hey guys, welcome to the shit show of my 20s. I'm so excited that you guys are here. My name's Sophia. I started this podcast in the beginning of April and I got furloughed at the end of March. And quite honestly, it was so hard for me to comprehend and deal with that. I was like, I have two choices right now. I can start the podcast that I've always wanted to start or I can let this really deter me and start emotional eating and just sit on the couch and do nothing. And I decided to go with the first choice. And I'm so glad that I did because I've got to meet so many inspiring people from all over the world. And I hope that you guys see yourselves in some of these stories because I've just been having so much fun. This has been lighting me up so much. And I'm really glad that I put myself out there and decided to start it. You know, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to start it. And I'm so glad that I just did that. And I know as an introvert, it's been pretty hard to like put myself out there, talk in front of a camera, talk to all these people I don't know. But I feel like this has been such a growing experience for me. And I feel like I need to share that with you guys because maybe there's something in your life that excites you but kind of scares you at the same time. And maybe it's time to step into that. Today's guest is Isla. I had so much fun chatting with her. We talk about her journey and how she went backpacking for two years, how she got into herbalism, aromatherapy, what inspired her to go vegan, and her tips for going vegan. So let's get started. Okay. So thank you so much, Isla, for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to hearing about you. Tell me about your story and what your journeys look like so far. Yeah. Thank you for asking, and I'm so glad to be here talking with you. So I would start off when I was uh, at the point when I turned 16 years old. When I was 16 years old, I hit my existential crisis, and I was like, what is the meaning of life, and why am I here, and all those questions a lot of us ask us when we're a little bit older. I was like, I have to have these answers now, and so I decided to graduate high school early and I completed all the courses I needed, you know, to complete to, to graduate high school early. And then I skipped 12th grade and then I moved to Israel alone at 16 and I backpacked for two years. And so I moved to Israel for two years. I moved there because I'm Jewish and I felt that I could look a little bit more into like my um, indigenous history and what it meant to me, you know, like ethnically to be Jewish and what it meant to me ancestrally to be Jewish and what that meant for me spiritually and all those different things. And also as someone who was very invested in Buddhism, I wanted to see how can that meet, you know, all the other parts of who I am. And so I moved to Israel and I never intended to be there for two years. It kind of just happened. And it started off backpacking. I lived in the desert for a little bit. I lived in an artist community outside of like the main outdoor market for a while, did all these different things. And during this time, I had a lot of space to just uncover different parts of myself and to really delve into what fed my, what, what really felt nourishing for me and what fueled a sense of meaning for me and fulfillment. And so right before I moved to Israel, I started dabbling with vegetarianism because that was the first time in my life that I considered the thought that maybe my desire to eat something doesn't justify, you know, ex basically extinguishing its, its life. You know, like maybe my desire to eat a piece of chicken isn't greater than this, than the life this chicken once had. And so at that point, I started going vegetarian 
And when I went to Israel, I was still vegetarian. And then I met someone who was vegan for the first time of my life when I was 17. So this isn't something I grew up with. I grew up eating, you know, a bowl of cereal and milk for breakfast and like a yogurt for snack and, you know, tuna for lunch and steak and potatoes for dinner, surrounded with a lot of smoking in the house and all those different things. And I never had exposure to these different holistic modalities, but a part of me just always felt very called to them anyway and kind of uncovered them at a very young age. And so when I went to Israel, that's when I had an opportunity to really delve into these different aspects of myself and meet people that were able to reflect that back to me. Yeah, that's like a little, a little part of it. Awesome. And what was that like backpacking for two years? You know, it was a lot. Um, I was very young. I was 16 years old. So I feel like that's the time to do it in terms of like resilience and like energetic capacity to do something like that. I did have like, thankfully some landing bases to be at if I needed a place I have some family here it was definitely an unbelievable experience I gained a lot I worked as a vegan chef at one point I worked as a henna artist at one point I went to yoga school while I was here so I gained a lot of amazing experiences but it was very tiring and by the end of the two years I was really feeling ready to commit to longer term goals and to create more of like a steady you know, routine for myself. And that's when I moved back to America and then enrolled in college and got my degree and completed some other, you know, educational trainings. Wow. And how did your parents feel about the backpacking for two years? <laughs> the truth is like, yeah, the truth is they seemed to support it. Um, they felt like it was very safe because I, I do have some family here. So like they would have my back worst, you know, worst case scenario. And there isn't really a lot of crime here at all. It's generally like an extremely safe, you know, place to be. Um, and yeah, they just let me do it. And I was like, all right, I'm going to head out. And I did. So they didn't really comment too much. It just, I did it and that was it. Yeah. And what's the biggest thing you took away from those two years? I feel like the, the biggest thing I took away from those two years I really have to say two things. Number one is a certain like impermanence of self that sometimes we have this idea that we're just going to like find who we are and that's going to like crystallize like an ice sculpture and then we'll like be set for life. But there's something intrinsically impermanent about our identity and who we are. And it takes a lot of grace and courage to just look at that in the face and acknowledge that. And to realize that we are constantly evolving. And like one day we might feel very called to be, you know, to have a more spiritual practice. And one day we might not. And we might identify as agnostic. And another day is pantheist. And another day is atheist. And, you know, like for some people, like they might grow up drinking out of styrofoam cups and then become like some kind of zero waste advocate. So I just feel like there's a certain, I've accepted there's a certain impermanence of self that to be able to move with that with grace kind of like the waves on a beach just like let that be and to not freak out too much if you see yourself changing in different positive ways just to like let it exist and the other thing is um realizing that there's no day that we're going to wake up and we're going to hear like a trumpet you know sounding our victory that we've reached a goal because i feel like a lot of the times especially as women we set certain like goals for ourselves like internal goals like oh I want to heal from this thing or I want to 
you know, feel more patient about this thing or whatever. And there's a certain feeling of wanting to check it off our list, but we're really never going to wake up and hear the trumpet horn. And we're never going to have a certificate on our wall saying, congratulations, you graduated 2000 hours of whatever, you know, or you know, have this piece of paper, like everything's a process and everything is constantly moving and to celebrate each step of the way. And how did you get introduced to vegetarianism and what was that transition like for you? Yeah. So like I said, I never grew up with, I never met a vegetarian in my life until I was, I think 16. And so it was really foreign for me. Like I never thought about it. And I was always like very sensitive to plants when I was a kid and even like rocks and I don't know, I was always very like attuned to that, but I never thought of the idea of vegetarianism simply because it, I can't believe it, but I never knew it existed. Like it really just, I never knew about it. And I met my first, I met the first um, vegetarian when I was, like I said, around 16 and I was just like, wow, like, what does that mean? And I think just meeting this person offered contrast to my life. It caused me to ask myself what it meant that I was eating chicken and meat. So not even questioning why they were choosing not to, but more questioning why I was choosing to and what that meant. And the first thing I remember doing was Googling reasons to not be vegetarian. Because I was like, I'm not gonna go and Google all of the reasons to be vegetarian because those are all gonna be positive. I wanna Google, like I wanna see what people are saying in terms of why you shouldn't be. And then I wanna read those and see if those make sense. Because that can kind of be an indicator. If they're all pretty shallow, then I know that vegetarianism has a pretty solid case. And so I read through them and the truth is most of them weren't very legitimate. Um, but I was kind of just like flirting with the idea of vegetarianism, still didn't know what to make of it. And then one day I just was like, listen, like, I believe this animal had a soul and I enjoy eating this food, but it reached a point where I could no longer enjoy eating the food because I would feel like I'm eating, I'm eating this animal gave up its life for me. And I don't know if it would have wanted to do that if it had its own will in regards to the matter. And so how can I eat it? And that was really that. And I went vegetarian, if I remember, I think it was pretty like, no pun intended, cold turkey. Sorry, <laughs> but I think it was pretty cold turkey. Uh, veganism was not because I remember giving up eggs wasn't challenging, but dairy was. Dairy is an addictive food. Like chemically speaking, it has a very addictive quality. And we have a very uh, addicting, like, we have a, a physiological response to dairy, similar to how we do to other very addictive foods. That took the longest to phase out, but at a certain point, I was like, enough, and that was it. What made you decide to go vegan from vegetarian? Yeah, I would say that, you know, just like I never thought about what it meant to not eat meat versus to eat meat until I met someone who didn't, I never really thought about what it meant to not eat eggs or dairy until I met someone who didn't. And then again, it was a question of what does it mean to eat them? And then the more research I did, the more I saw that number one, it's simply not a very environmentally sustainable choice and in terms of comparing it to eating a plant-based diet. And I'm also like a health advocate and they're simply not very healthy foods in the long, in the long term. And from an animal welfare perspective, like animals suffer for it. And I think a lot of us grew up thinking that you know, cows naturally give milk 24-7, and chickens naturally lay eggs all the time. So, like, what's, 
the problem with consuming dairy, what's the problem with consuming eggs. But the more you understand the system, the more you understand that's actually not how it works. For example, like, you know, a hen may lay an egg once a day, but in fact, with factory farms, oftentimes they're manipulated with thermostat to lay multiple eggs a day, which causes them suffering. Or, for example, cows don't naturally always give milk. They'll only give milk after they give birth. And so they're forcibly impregnated, and then there are the, you know, the baby cow is sold for veal, the male cow is slaughtered, and then the female cow is used for milk. So a lot of the times, you know, we don't even notice these things until we look into them. And that was my case. I didn't really think about it until I met someone who embodied that. And then when I did my research, I was like, wow, how can I know this information? And how can I claim and how can I say that I'm a, a, an environmentalist and I stand for, you know, non-harm to all beings yet still consume this bowl of cereal and milk or this slice of cheese after knowing what what had to happen to get that to me what's the biggest benefit you've noticed since going vegan well i just i feel i feel really good inside and what that means for me is like physically i feel really like clean I don't know how else to say this. I just, it's, it's simply like sugar, just like sugar, um, dairy and eggs and chicken and meat, they all cause uh, like a high mucus production in the body. And they also create lymphatic stagnation. And so people who consume a lot of animal products often experience heavier mucus production in the body as well as again, lymphatic stagnation. And so there's a certain like lethargy in the body and energetically there's a heaviness and also physiologically there's a heaviness, digestively there's a heaviness, like in terms of circulation, there's heaviness really across the board. And so when you're eating plant-based, right, these plants are so rich in water content, usually 70 to 90% water content, and also really high in air, like some fruits as well. They're just very light. And as a result, you tend to feel lighter. And they also actually clear up your lymph and they encourage healthy circulation and they encourage regular digestion. So there's a sense of just like good flow. And so there's that. I also feel a mental satisfaction and an emotional satisfaction knowing that I'm making life choices that really align with my value system and that feels very fulfilling. Yeah, I would say. And do you help your clients trans transition to being vegan? What tips do you have for that? Do you yeah. recommend doing it in stage all at once? Yeah, I really specialize in helping people who either want to go vegan, who are vegetarian but are kind of struggling at a certain point, or people who are vegan and are experiencing health challenges and don't really know what to do or they're not feeling full enough. A lot of times there are newbie vegans who don't really know how to procure food in, you know, in a way that leaves them feeling full after. So I help with all of that. In terms of helping someone go vegan, I would really say meet yourself where you're at. And that is the most important suggestion I can offer. If where you're at is like you're ready to cut out all forms of dairy, but like you still want to have cheese once a week, do it. Because if eating that cheese once a week will enable you to be vegan for six out of the seven days a week, then you're already doing 100% more than what you would have been doing. And you're also creating a foundation where you're, you're easing yourself into it so you don't feel resentment and you don't feel deprived. And like eventually someone can then stretch that out so they only have dairy once every two weeks. And eventually they might not even want it anymore. But you're already doing so much more for your physical body. You're doing so much more for animal welfare, for the environment, with whatever you can do. And so if you are someone that thrives off of just like taking the plunge and doing it right away, do it. But if you feel like you want to pace yourself, that's totally valid too. And just be really honest with what you need and meet yourself there.
And how did you get into nutrition? Nutrition. So I took my first nutrition class when I was in eighth grade. And after that, I was like, I'm going to be a nutritionist. So I knew I wanted to be a nutritionist since I was like, I don't know, how old are you in eighth grade? Whatever that age is. Like since a very young age, maybe like 13 years old max. Um, yeah, I was only 13. So I've, I've been like nuts about that. And like the funny thing is that when I was 13 years old, because I grew up in an environment that really didn't eat well, my version of meal planning was like, I'm going to have like reduced fat Cheez-Its and I'm going to have like, you know, like a yogurt with, I don't know, whatever. Like it was just really funny. It was adorable because I was really young and the, the meal planning I was doing was like so microscopic in terms of like what's really healthy, but I was still practicing different like meal combining, you know, techniques at a young age. So since then, and I have, I pursued that and I feel really happy that I did. What's your favorite vegan dessert? I have to be honest, I am, my Achilles heel is, if you're vegan, this sounds awesome. If you're not, this sounds terrible. But anything that's like chocolate, avocado, mousse situation, I'm like, I'm there for it. Like, if you, when I worked in a vegan restaurant, I made this recipe that you basically make like a really rich chocolate cream with avocado and like cacao and maple syrup and sea salt and then you um, make like a crust with dates and walnuts and you fill up this like giant cream like tort and then you freeze it and so that was always like selling out so I'm like I'm, I'm into that that sounds good <laughs> <laughs> pretty good it's pretty good not vegan so not until you try it I'm telling you it's pretty good awesome and how did you get into aromatherapy so you know, aromatherapy always intrigued me and it was something I always knew that I I wouldn't, I wanted to get a degree. I didn't want to be someone who had like 30 certificates, like having a degree felt very important to me personally and to have an axiom, like a focal point felt very good for me as well. So I chose to invest in nutrition being like the focal point of which I direct my energy into. But because I wanted to be a very holistic nutritionist, one that could really acknowledge the complications and also the nuances of how our mental health affects our emotional health and our emotional health affects our physical health and so on, I wanted to pursue different, um, different supplementary you know, trainings that would help encourage a holistic practice. And so I chose aromatherapy because at that point I had already graduated from yoga school and was a practicing yoga instructor. I had my own business at that point. And I saw the benefits of using essential oils in my practice and how much they benefit my clients. So I decided to really pursue a formal education because there's a lot of misunderstanding about it and I wanted to have a more scientific education. And so that's when I went to aromatherapy school. And what can you use essential oils for? You could use them for a lot. You can use them physically for like physical health. If you have a bruise, if you get like some kind of skin irritation, of course you want to dilute them as necessary, but you can apply it that way. You can apply it um, also for burns. You can apply it mentally. You can use it as an inhalation. You can create a nice kind of, you know, aromatherapeutic kind of stick for yourself. You can make yourself massage oil. You can use it, um, yeah, you can use it in that way. You can use it to increase focus with the spray. 
So you can really use it to target your physical health. You never want to ingest them, but topically speaking, you can always use it for physical health, emotional health, mental health. And I'm sure if someone has a spiritual practice, they can use it in that way as well. Yeah. And what's your favorite essential oils? My favorite essential oil is one that's right on my bedstand, and it is English chamomile. I really love English chamomile, and I really love lavender in particular because they're really multifunctional. They're both, people think of them as like just calming, but they're both wound healing and also anti-inflammatory and also anti-spasmodic, meaning they help to reduce muscle spasms. So if you injure your knee from doing too much yoga or, you know, maybe you just, you feel kind of achy in a certain area, you can dilute them and apply them to the area for, again, reducing inflammation, relaxing the muscle group, for also inducing feelings of calm and also, um, encouraging wound healing process the wound healing process so yeah those are my two favorites at the moment and what is herbalism herbalism is the oldest form of medicine we have it is the people's medicine it is essentially the ancient wisdom of knowing how to use plants in a way that supports our physical, mental, and emotional health and well-being. And unlike pharma, and I'm not knocking pharmaceutical drugs, because I do believe there's a time and place for them and to use them appropriately can provide a lot of, um, you know, can really help people in terms of their healing path. But the thing is, a lot of times pharmaceutical drugs don't really get to the, the crux of the problem. But herbs, the way that they work is they help to target the imbalance of why it's occurring in the first place and targets that, but then allows your body to re recalibrate and re, yeah, to recalibrate until it, it reaches the point of stasis and balance again to encourage the natural healing process. They're used less in a matter of, oh, this symptom's happening, let's attack it with this herb, and more, wow, this thing is happening. Why? And once we know what that why is, we can use an herb to alleviate that why to provide internal natural healing the body wants to because the the premise of herbalism is that the body wants to heal itself and that the body has the natural ability to heal itself and so that we really want to remove the obstacles and remove the things getting in the way of our healing rather than blocking its process and what can you use that for herbs yeah um you can use it for so many things i mean just for a few examples if someone has literally like Lyme disease you can use it for that you can use it for Crohn's disease you know colitis you can use it for um, um, headaches for migraines for nausea like really anything you could think of for your thyroid that really every part of our health and not just our physical health but also our emotional health I happen to specialize within herbalism and nutrition and digestive health and mental health, which are both really related. So you can always use herbs to target mental health and digestive health. And oftentimes the herbs that help uh, alleviate stomach pain and help encourage healthy digestion are also herbs that help to encourage feelings of common relaxation. So it's really beautiful to see that within the plants themselves, like, you know, how they'll have these dual actions, which we're only in more recent times learning about scientifically. And what would you recommend for someone who has migraines? Migraines are tricky. Honestly, migraines are tricky. Migraines are the one thing I haven't been able to find like a solid solution for. I can share with you some things I've heard and people can try them out. One thing I've heard from one herbalist I know is that 
when you feel the onset of a migraine, you can just take a, a shot glass of ginger juice, but you need to have it like seriously right at the onset or, you know, it won't do its work. I haven't done that. Um, my perspective of migraines is, is more from like a nutrition perspective and also constitutionally. Constitutionally, it's associated with excess heat in the body. And so any foods that, that um, are classified as like warming foods, and I'll explain what that means in a moment, are known to trigger headaches. So sometimes very, very spicy foods or being in very hot weather or being very hot headed or feeling a lot of anger or any kind of heating emotions like that can all, can all really um, contribute towards that pattern. And so if someone's experiencing chronic migraines, I would just suggest to focus more on, on doing things that are cooling. So maybe going swimming, staying cool, meditating, staying very hydrated, having some celery juice with cucumber maybe, anything that, that cools the mind, like mentally and emotionally, and also cools your body, I feel would, would be very beneficial. What's your favorite part of your business? I love talking with people. I really do. Like, I absolutely love it. It's like so delightful because I never even meet my clients in person. All of my clients are over the phone. And after that, I send them their weekly document, but I really look forward to talking. It's always so wonderful to hear how they're doing. And I feel like, I feel like a cheerleader in some ways, cause I'm just like, you got this. And I mean it, like they, they got it. Like they kick butt and like, you know, everyone is just doing their best. And I feel really blessed to be able to help people reach their goal and be a part of that. It feels like a really big honor. And I really enjoy that a lot like the interpersonal part. And I also enjoy that I'm able to have like my alone time after that because I work from home or from a cafe or wherever it feels good for me. And I have my, my own creative private time. So it's like a good balance between like talking with people and having that personal connection and also having a lot of private time for myself, personal time for myself to unwind and cool down. And do you have like a favorite client story? Maybe one client that you noticed like a big transition in their life after you helped them with their health yeah. or something like that? Yeah, I do. I have one client who she struggled with weight for a long time and she went to a lot of nutritionists who tried to help her with weight loss. And weight loss is really tricky because it's something that a lot of nutritionists have capitalized on to make money, unfortunately. And it's like, we want to reach a healthy weight. It's good for our bodies to be at a healthy weight. But unfortunately, this is being exploited by a lot of people. So I, I did design a program that's scientifically proven to be effective, and I feel really excited about it. And so I was speaking with my client, and she didn't know like what she was doing that it was causing her to gain weight all the time and whatever. And the more we spoke, the more it became apparent that really what we needed to do was target her levels of anxiety because she would eat whenever she would feel anxious and due to a sense of um, post-generational trauma, a feeling like she'd run out of food, like a lot of fear around scarcity and, and starving to death, she would often eat from that place of mind. And so she wasn't able to lose weight because she was living in a state of anxiety, especially in relationship to food. And so rather than focusing on some kind of meal plan or like, weight loss regimen, we literally just focused on mental health. And from that, she lost weight because she, and she told me she felt like she spoke with so many people and no one was ever able to help her. In fact, they would have just told her, well, why aren't you listening to this protocol, blah, blah, blah. But that I was able to identify that that was really the crux of the issue, target it with different strategies. And from that, she was able to feel good enough to just naturally eat when she felt hungry and just to stop when she felt full and 
just feeling really good. So I felt really happy about that. And I ended up, I actually ended up working with her mom and her sister too. So it was really nice. The whole, the whole plan. <laughs> Very sweet. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. What is something that's lighting you up right now? Honestly, I feel so happy to be here. I just moved to Israel um, for anyone who has been here or hasn't been here. It's like I'm in Tel Aviv. I'm near the beach. I'm going to the beach for two hours a day. That's lighting me up. Um, living just near the water. And I just feel really happy for a fresh, clean start. And yeah, it's also to be like in like the, you know, Israel is, uh, has the largest number of the great highest number of vegans per capita in the world. So there are so many vegan restaurants and that's lighting me up. So I'm just like, I'm just enjoying life. Awesome. And what's something most people don't know about you? Hmm. I don't know. Wow. What a question. Um, most people, you mean like, what would someone assume about me that they might be incorrect about or something people just wouldn't guess from me to begin with? The second one. Something someone something. wouldn't guess about me. Um, I have to think about that. It's a really good question. Um, I honestly don't know. I mean, I do like some weird things. Like I do trapeze, I make pottery. I do like a lot of circus arts, you know, between trapeze and also like different hoop kind of things. I used to be a competitive swimmer. I play the harp. Um, those are all kind of surprising, I think. <laughs> They're a little weird. So I would say those. Yeah. And what are you motivated by? I feel very motivated to live a life that feels really good. And that sounds like so simple and it is, but it's also not because what I realized is that we live in a day and age where things are available enough for us that they don't take that much time to do. And because of that, we have all this like empty space, kind of like static on a TV where we don't have enough time to do something that's like truly productive, but it's also like, it's just, it's like the perfect amount of time to zone out and watch TV or go on Instagram or something like that. And my goal is to fill up each moment of my life, not with productivity, because I feel like that's very much like a puritanical work, work ethic that I don't want to embody anymore because it's not very fulfilling, even though I definitely value hard work and conviction and reaching your goals. But I don't want to live a life where I'm chronically checking off boxes. I want to create room in my life for just living and feeling alive. And so what that looks like for me is spending time on the beach without my phone and just like breathing in the air and just going to the market and like tasting the fresh fruit and like hanging out with friends and just spending time like real life without like the static of a TV show or listening to music all the time. Like, and just again, filling it up with cooking, baking, laughing, um, anything like that. So that really feels very fulfilling for me at this time to fill up my life in a way that feels really nourishing and enriched and enriching and really good. And what's the biggest obstacle you've had to overcome? In my life in general? That's a good question. An obstacle that I've had to overcome well, I feel like the biggest obstacle I've had to overcome that's brought me the most peace is, again, letting go of the notion that there is an idea, that there is 
such a thing as an absolute truth that I will one day discover and life will grant me peace. Because when I was younger, I moved to Israel and I backpacked because I was like, I need to find out the truth. I need to find out like what's really right about like everything. And the more to that time goes by, the more I realize that things evolve and they change and they move. And I can feel more inner peace in my heart when I let go of that desire to have like absolute knowing and also to have like humility to know that I'm not capable of knowing the absolute truth because like I'm human. So I don't even know what that means to know like an absolute truth. I mean, we have science, but other than that, it's like, you know, I'm talking more about subjective things we experience in our life. So just having humility and letting that go and just being willing to enjoy life and accept life as it is and like kind of bow my head to the wonder of it all. That has been a process for me. And how old are you? 20. And what have your 20s been like so far? <laughs> well, I'm 22. So like, you know, it's been two years. <laughs> <laughs> no, but honestly, it's been crazy. Because again, like, I haven't had a stereotypical, like, experience you know I didn't move out of my parents house at 18 and like join a sorority and go to college and live there for four years like again I moved out alone when I was 16 and I backpacked for two years I moved back to America I moved to New York again by myself and I've been living in New York from 18 to 22 and I love New York so that was a really it's been a good trip like 16 to 18 was its own time period I was very like bohemian and very nomadic um 18 to 22 is definitely a certain time of like focus and acknowledging like what my long-term goals were and like truly investing in them and investing in my future. And I went to, again, I graduated aromatherapy school and also herbalism school and uh, yoga school. And I obtained my degree and, you know, I got a degree in science and integrative nutrition and starting my private practice and starting my yoga, you know, my yoga business and like all the things. So it's been, it's felt very fulfilling because it's like, I've done all this work to reach where I'm at. Now I feel like I can just sit in like this old armchair and just like lay my head against it and just like relax into it because I've kind of created like this fertile ground and now I can just enjoy the fruit of it all. And what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? Um, I would tell her, even if things feel uncomfortable, I would say it's okay to feel uncomfortable. Feeling uncomfortable does not mean that you're unsafe. It just means you're feeling uncomfortable and just to breathe through it and to keep pursuing towards my goals anyway. But I think a lot of us, whenever we feel uncomfortable with something, we associate it with pain and we might start feeling anxious. Like, oh my God, if I don't change this environment or I don't change the situation, I'm going to be in danger. But just to, you know, relax into that a little bit and question that thought and ask ourselves, if I'm feeling uncomfortable, does that really mean that I'm in danger or does it mean that it's just uncomfortable and it's a little stress and it'll pass? So just, I would tell my younger self just to give her permission to breathe through it and know that it'll be okay and just keep, keep, my eye on the, keep my eye on the prize and keep going. And are there any questions that you wish I would have asked you? Um, I would just say like, I'm Jewish. And just to speak to that a little bit, because that's a big part of my identity, 
is something I've been feeling really fascinated by is um, indigenous medicine and how when I was younger, I was always very fascinated by the Native American community and feeling like a lot of like reverence for their tradition and wanting to know like, what does that look like in herbalism and things like that. And then the older I got, the more I realized that I don't have access to that because I'm not Native American and you know, I should look into my own tradition. So I'm at a point where I feel very excited about learning about like indigenous ritual um, and like, you know, yeah, like indigenous plant-based ritual and herbalism and how I'm curious to see what that intersection will look like between my Jewish ethnicity and also living like in an indigenous land along with herbalism and wellness and all those other things. And also a lot of people here alternative medicine is a tremendous value here. And so there's a, a large herbalism community here. And I'm just, I'm very curious and excited to see how, you know, my relationship with Judaism will again intersect with all my passions for wellness. Um, just for myself, not that I would, you know, combine it in my practice with other people, but just as an internal exploration. Thank you so much for doing this. Where can people connect with you? So I have an Instagram. I think that's the most social way you can find me. And it's just the underscore vegan underscore nutritionist underscore. Alternatively, you can just look up my name, Ayala Mintz, on Instagram. And I also have a website that is just listed as theveganutritionist.com. I do offer free, you know, consultations. I'm happy to give people who just have questions. I'm my goal is to be accessible, to be there as like a friend and nutritionist and like a real guide in whatever way you need it uh, wellness-wise. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'd love if you can leave me a review on iTunes. Please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.